0: And welcome back to Walton Biz Talk, a student run podcast where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. I'm your host, Savannah Rubino, and with me is my lovely co host, Gracie. Thank you for saying
1: lovely. I appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome. Um, This season, we're taking a deep dive into company culture. And this episode, we're talking all about Disney, which is – I wouldn't consider myself a Disney adult. Would you consider yourself a Disney adult?
1: Can you tell me what a Disney adult is? Yeah.
0: A Disney adult has kind of gotten like rap – a bad rap, I guess, um, in the media because it's essentially these people who become very, very, very invested in Disney culture and media and to the point where – I feel like it affects your generation a little bit more than mine. (laughs)
1: I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't actually know that I've been to Disney World. Really? Um, I do watch, I mean, Disney movies constantly. Right. Um, I mean, not constantly. That was exaggerating. But I do watch quite a few Disney movies. Um, are you t- – like, are Disney adults people that will, like, dress up, like, yes, to go to Disney go World? go to Disney multiple times yes, okay. a year.
0: It's almost to the point where I think some people think it's um, a bit much – I'll I'll let the listeners do research on that one. Sure. But um, one of the things I think is so interesting about Disney is how embedded it is in American culture and honestly in international culture as well, like the way that they're just a worldwide player um, in the media industry. And like I was just thinking when you were talking about Disney adults, I was thinking – Even when we're not talking about Disney, we have these little cultural um, quirks, I guess, Mm -hmm. in America. Like when someone wins the Super Bowl, it's a cultural norm to say, I'm going to Disney World. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that became a
1: thing, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think especially with like icon and imagery like mm-hmm. everyone knows so i haven't i don't think i've been to disney world um but i know what mickey mouse looks like right like if someone were to be wearing the hat with the mickey mouse ears it's one of those things i, I, I want
0: to looks- know where it ranks on recognition levels n- nas- or nationally and internationally because you know how they say things like oh kim kardashian is now more recognized than jesus like i want to know mm-hmm. where <laughs> mickey mouse and other Disney icons rank on an icon.
1: Iconography? I, I, I would love for us to do a poll of Mickey Mouse, Kim Kardashian, and Jesus. Yes. I think that that would be great if we got people to rank those.
0: Yes. Yeah, so be looking forward to hearing that in the next um, student interviews that we have on this season. Yes. Um, but I wanted to quickly walk through, we have um, an outstanding guest for this episode Katie Pope who uh did the Disney College program and is actually an advisor now for the Walton Honors College here at the University of Arkansas So one of the things that we've gathered here is a conceptual map of the HR practices at Walt Disney. So in one corner, we have four corners, and in one corner we have the HR flows. This is from LinkedIn. We have the Disney recruitment, selection, Disney University training, and job shadowing. So if you go online, you can see that Disney not only has their Disney College program – but it's kind of like a pipeline into mm. their actual business internships, so they like to see consistency. And a lot of times people end up working for Disney full-time after the program, and some people even do the program multiple times.
1: Yeah, I. it does seem like they're in, invested in... Um, like loyalty or consistency, like you said, like if you do – because I imagine this is like that with a lot of internships. um, And you can speak to that because you've done an internship before, but like really looking for those people that have invested the internship time to then become leaders or in certain roles in the company.
0: Right. And that leads me to the next corner, which is employee influence. So they have this idea of employee empowerment. They have these informal rules and then more formal rules, which we know now are Disney speak rules. Um, And they have this idea also that you ran into while researching, which was corporate citizenship. Mm -hmm. I'm not – are you familiar with that?
1: Uh, Not enough to claim expert on it. I mean, I just – what's interesting about corporate citizenship, I think, is is the idea of corporate and citizenship together um, mm. just because citizenship is normally something you think about when you think of like um, – It seems
0: like Disney would be the authoritative y- figure and then the citizen would be like the sure. normal so, Jack and Jill, you sure, and Sure,
1: sure. Or even even citizenship to me is like a connection to the ethics of the community mm. and oftentimes, you know, corporate corporate – companies or corporate sponsorship is kind of put on the opposite end of that spectrum. But what's interesting to me about Disney is that they do combine those.
0: Right. And that also bleeds into the cultural reinforcement corner, which, like I talked about, the Disney speak, um, which is basically an entirely different language for employees to become more immersed in the Disney culture while they're working there and then there are um on stage performances which we kind of talked about as well as um there's amenities for employees so that leads me into the last corner which is rewards so while they're working in the college program students on their off time are able to get free passes into the parks so while you're not always working Disney's always in some corner of your mind. Yeah,
1: you're time. always immersed in the culture. Right. Like I feel like out of the companies that we've talked about or the people that we've talked to, Disney seems to be the most devoted to like the company culture being in, in all aspects of your life or in multiple aspects of your life.
0: And most intentional, I feel, with their mm-hmm. marketing and just their organization which you'll come to see in the episode. Um, but they also have physical rewards, creative pitching, and then contests to keep their employees motivated. And so with that, that was just a little bit of an intro into the Disney sector of company culture, which is, I think, a com- should be a completely diff- on a completely different landscape than any other company culture personally. But with that, we introduce our guest, Katie Pope. Savannah Rabino here and I'm here with my co-host Gracie. Hello, super happy to be here. And our very special guest today is Katie Pope from the University of Arkansas. Yeah, hi, how's it going? Katie, I would love for you to just take a moment and tell our listeners what you're doing right now at the University of Arkansas and what your role looks like. Yeah, I currently serve as
2: the Assistant Director for the Welton Honors Program. I've been here since... Uh, May of 2019, so just a little over three years, but my main job is advising honors business students, but I do a few other things, like I teach our honors freshman business connections class, teach a thesis intro course, and pretty much do any and all things to help our students, our honors business students succeed.
0: That's awesome, and I know we have you on here for our Disney episode, yes. which you get really excited about. Yeah. Um I know you're definitely a proponent for the program, but could you just, before we get into the actual questions about Disney, could you tell us what interested you in Disney and how you decided that maybe that program would be for you? Yeah,
2: i always, from, I mean, I went to Disney when I was younger and I always thought it looked like so much fun. It was such a fun environment. There were so many interesting things happening all over the place. Um, And I actually didn't know I wanted to do it because I didn't know if it was possible, but... I was in my uh, senior year of college and I was studying biology and I decided pretty, uh, like kind of towards the start of my senior year that I didn't want to go to med school. I didn't want to do anything with biology. So I was trying to figure out what to do next. And one of my friends was like, well, I'm just going to do the Disney college program after I graduate. And I was like, what is that? And she told me about it. And then a week later I'd applied uh, and it was, yeah, I just, thought, what a fun way to have a gap year to work at Disney. And at first I thought I might want to travel, but then I thought maybe I'll go and work at Disney. And it's such got such an international, you know, presence that I thought maybe other people could come to me and tell me their stories. So it's kind of a way to travel without
0: traveling in a way. Right. And I think that's so funny that you had that conversation with your friend and you're Mm -hmm. like, I don't what I'm really gonna do I'm gonna go to the Disney college program because I saw this tweet on Twitter and it was like um everyone gets to that point where they're like should I go to grad school like maybe I should like just for fun so I think that's funny that Disney was like you had a little pipeline to Disney instead of like the normal um grad school route that a lot of other people take but can you talk a little bit about the application process because when Gracie and I were researching this and I don't know if you ever went onto the subreddit (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Redditor. So I mentioned that a lot in our episodes, but it seems like something we found with company culture is that there's a huge community on places like Reddit for these mm-hmm. different types of careers or specialized programs, that sort of thing. And just reading through that, th- what people say about the application process, it seems like it can be very thorough and a little bit intense. Mm-hmm. People talk about, oh, apply on the second day, not the first day, because the website crashes. It's so crazy. So can you talk a little bit about, obviously, it could have changed a little bit from when you went, but can you talk about what it looked like for you?
2: Yeah, I was pretty, I kind of got really lucky with my timing because my friend told me about it and then I applied like a week later and I was kind of in that window. I applied, I think, sometime in February of my senior year. Um, And I don't remember the application exactly except for in the application, you kind of rank at the time that I did it, you rank what roles you'd want to do. Mm. Like, Mm. yes, I would definitely do this. No, I would not do this. And yes, I'd do it, but only if you really needed me to. Mm -hmm. And those roles were like merchandise, food and beverage, custodial, attractions, things like that. And I do remember I did go on like all these blogs and like look up Because there's such a science to applying and getting it all done because people are like, oh, make sure you're available. Like you put enough availability. Like, yes, I would do this. Yes, I would do this. But you're not too available because if you are put too much, like, yes, I would do anything, then they're going to put you anywhere. Mm. So um, at like some of the roles that aren't as popular, like custodial, even though custodial is like one of the best roles there. I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah, it's so fun you get to uh, travel the park and you're pretty free. So you are also very open. So like if you're walking around, guests always stop and ask you questions, always ask you where to go, always ask you this. You get so much guest interaction with that role. Um, But yeah, I I applied and um, then you get kind of this online sort of a test. It's like a values test where it's timed. So you only have so many uh, seconds to answer each question. And it's like, would you steal something? And then you say, you answer. Mm-hmm. And then it says, what would you do if you found another employee taking something? Or what would you do about this? So it was kind of all kinds of situational questions. right? And it was timed. And they asked you kind of the same value in multiple different questions. So they wanted to see kind of your true values and if your values matched with Disney's values. And a lot of people I talked to kind of failed that. And then they didn't move on in the process. Really, That's
0: so interesting. Yeah.
2: So that's kind of like a way for them to, you know, weed out people that are. And there's a way, I think, a science to where they can tell if you're telling them what they want to hear. Mm. And that's why they ask you the same sort of value in multiple different so questions. It's
0: so it, it's mind-boggling to me that Disney has figured all this out so early on because I was just reading an article about um, retention and recruiting the right employees, and now companies are kind of shifting to this idea that, okay, we want someone who aligns with our values and with our mission because it's easy to teach the skills. It's mm-hmm. not easy to teach values and find someone who is going to just like step into the value set that you want yeah. so the fact that disney learned that so early on and the fact that they have the technology mm-hmm. to tell that because i'm not gonna lie if i was taking that test i think i have taken <laughs> test like that before i would definitely be like what are they looking for that's what's what my target audience as you were saying
1: that i was like how would i answer um i think that's also interesting with as far as company culture goes that like um like the company or disney or as a corporation or whatever it is is so open about their values mm-hmm. and like so consistent with their values because i feel like when you apply to some jobs they'll have a mission statement and then you mm-hmm. kind of have to figure out their values from there but it just being so upfront and being part of like the weeding out process yeah i think it's interesting
2: yeah and then they do all kinds of stuff once you get there to really like hit it in and i think i after that, like a values assessment, then you have an interview. And then Mm -hmm. they, for me, I had my interview maybe a week or two later. Mm -hmm. And then I don't remember too much of it. Um, I do remember looking and being prepared for all those questions that they ask you. Like one of the questions that I was really stressing about, which is kind of silly now is what Disney character is like, do you feel like represents (laughs) you? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail this. Who, who, who? And I couldn't think of you know, I was prepared to say like Alice in Wonderland, just because <laughs> okay. I thought that was like fun and quirky. But who knows? They never asked me that, so we'll never know. Now, who
1: would you? Are you so sorry, you uh, on the spot right now.
2: Um. Oh gosh. Has
0: your answer
1: changed after saying, all these years?
2: Um. I used to. Yeah. I think so. I I used to joke. I don't know if y'all remember this. There's a squirrel in the Emperor's New Groove. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I think because it's just it was funny. I love how like niche and specific <laughs> so that specific. is yeah.
0: because and I think that that testifies to like like your progression because I mm-hmm. think everyone would be like, "What's the quirky and cool thing to yeah. say?" And Alice in Wonderland is, but the fact that you found <laughs> that now as your answer. That's hilarious. Um, so we talked a little bit about the application process. Can you tell us a little bit about what a day in the life looked like? How mm-hmm. was your role assigned? Did you really mm-hmm. like your role? I'd love to hear how you kind of um, found community in your role as well.
2: Yeah. I, so I knew what I wanted to do the second I applied. I wanted to do merchandise.
0: Mm.
2: I wanted to be able to sell, um, and what they say at Disney is tangible memories because I, when I was in, uh, whenever I went to Disney, my big thing was always going to the gift shop and finding the perfect gift. And I found, for myself, I guess, not for everybody else. <laughs> but I remember I had this really old purple Tinkerbell hat that every time I look at it, I think of my, like, Disney trip. So I wanted to be in a position to help other people get that memory, something they could always look at to remember how much fun they had. Um, and I talked about that in my interview that that was really what I wanted. I remember telling that story. And then a week later they tell you, they say, oh you're accepted you're going to be in merchandise, but they don't tell you where you're going to be until Mm -hmm. the day that you get there. Um, And I loved Animal Kingdom and I told them I want to be in Animal Kingdom. And so the day I remember getting there and it's it's at a Disney kind of residence hall, sort of, like, there's people everywhere, there's a long line, and you get a time slot, so I had to check in from, like, 9 to 9 30, and I was so excited to figure out where I was going to be, um, and they were like, you're going to be in Dinoland, mm-hmm. which is in Animal Kingdom, I don't know if anybody knows much about it, but it's very, very quirky, um, but yeah, my main so I was doing merchandise, so I would wake up, go to Animal Kingdom, which at that time was the morning park. So I'd have like, I'd work from like eight to four. Um, I'd usually get in early, open the games, open the things, and then mainly you're just running each different register. And there's different registers and you kind of rotate. So every like two hours you'll go, you'll be at one register and then you'll go on break. Or Dinoland also had carnival games. Uh, which was where you had this mic, and you had to spiel. And there was five different games, and you had to really entertain. So it wasn't just merchandise. You had to be like a carny. And ah. Yeah, so, but, yeah, the first week they want you to just get used to the registers, and then you get trained on the games. So I, whenever I got into the rhythm, my main, a day in the life was, you know, go, leave from my, I lived in, um, I think I lived in Chatham Square, which was where I was at. I would drive to the parks, park, I'd have to walk in a certain back way behind and show my ID and all this. I'd put my stuff up, I'd check in, I'd, and then whenever you sign in, it's like report to this register, report to this game. Mm-hmm. And if there was another person there, you'd switch out with them. If not, you'd open it up and then, uh, yeah, I'd go between doing registers inside and games outside. So it was a lot of fun.
1: That sounds like my worst nightmare, to so <laughs> have to like, have a microphone and, um, and entertain people. So you were living with other Disney yeah. people, right? Like, so yep. there was a community there that they mm-hmm. kind of put you in.
2: Yeah, there was six of us in a three-bedroom, three-bathroom apartment, sort of.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, and then my roommates, so Sierra worked in Tomorrowland Attractions. Jenna worked in, uh, she worked at the Tower of Terror Attractions. Oh, that's That would awesome. be the one that, I would want to do. Yeah. yeah, they were, it was fun. And they would always come home with like stories, like look at what happened, you know, this guest or this thing happened and whatnot. And two of my roommates worked in um, the resorts, one at All Star Sports and the other at another, one of the higher end ones, I can't remember, maybe the Contemporary. And then another one of my roommates was in merchandise at Disney Springs. So we all built community like that. We'd come home and we'd be like, let's just go to the park. Because mm-hmm. you got free admission to the parks. So I'd work from like 8 to 4, come home, change. And then we'd drive to Magic Kingdom and stay there till midnight. Mm. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Were you in classes during that time?
1: Or did, or, yeah, I guess it's your senior year. Were you in classes?
2: I elected to take some just because I thought i I thought it would be fun. So I took um, a marketing U course with Miss Penny. And then I took an organizational leadership course, which didn't obviously I wasn't in college anymore. So it didn't give me credit. But I thought it would be a fun way to like learn from like some Disney leaders about those topics. So I yeah, they were both really cool courses. Um And I learned a whole lot about like ways to present yourself and then just like company culture and organizational leadership is and i within those classes i had other people that i wouldn't have met otherwise that i kind of built community with and a couple people one from um a couple international students who i still keep up with like over snapchat in (laughs) my area too in our area they did a really good job in dino land of um we had a whole cp cohort group that we would they would have events for us and I made some of my best friends there. I still keep in touch with them today,
0: honestly. So what did those classes look like? What was the normal, I'm assuming if you go and you're it's still a student in college mm-hmm. that you will be, is it typical to take two or three classes? Or I know you mentioned University of Arkansas specifically doesn't offer like the transfer credit, mm-hmm. but what would that look like for a normal student who's going in there for credit as well?
2: Yeah, I think before, I mean, they would, some of the students in that class were taking like two or three Disney Disney classes and then like one or two online courses. Like they're like, I gotta go Um, home and do my online homework and then I can go to the park after. So uh, I I think it just depends on the university. Some have a good partnership with Disney and um, I don't think the University of Arkansas has one. So, but yeah, I think that they would just go come to class, do their assignment. I mean, it kind of was like a normal class, mm-hmm. but maybe for me, I didn't take it as seriously because it wasn't for credit. Sure. So I was just having a good time, but other people really um, got a lot out of it.
1: Would they work like eight to four too? And then? No, Uh,
2: I was fortunate because I was in the morning park. So mm-hmm. Animal Kingdom was at that time only open most days to like 6 p.m. So that was just Mm -hmm. the shift available. Magic Kingdom would be open till midnight. And a lot of times for that specific park, they would work from like five to midnight shifts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And because a lot of like people that have status that are full-time don't want to work till midnight. They want to work a normal shift and go home. So a lot of times Magic Kingdom at night is run mainly by college program (laughs) students. (laughs) Um, But uh, they would... Usually for me, whenever I said I was taking a class, they'd make sure my day off was consistent. So we would each have two days off, but they were not never in the same spot. Like I'd maybe have a random Monday and a random Wednesday, or I'd have like maybe a Saturday, usually not very often off. But they, for that one, they were like, well, we know for you since you're taking class on Wednesday, we'll make sure you have every Wednesday off.
0: I'm interested, I know you mentioned that in one of your classes, one of the Disney leaders would teach you how to present yourself Mm -hmm. and those sorts of um, things in the class. And I have to ask about this idea that I kept seeing on all the sites when we would research Disney, which is Disney speak.
2: (laughs) Did you? Are you familiar
0: with that? I am. And that wasn't so much in the
2: classes. That was so for training for Disney, you do so much um, training we do at least six days plus of training mm-hmm. before you're even able to really be out there the first day that everybody does regardless if if you're a part-time full-time college program international college program is a class called traditions um, which is i want to say it was a about a full day i can't remember but it, that's where they really start talking about the company culture. They talk about something at the time that I worked there called the four keys, which were safety, oh gosh, professionalism, show, and efficiency. And those are the four things that you kind of operate by. So the number one thing is always safety. So things always have to be safe. And then um, courtesy, sorry, not professionalism. Courtesy is the one where you, it's about guests. And about making sure that they're taken care of and making sure you're kind to everyone and patient with everyone um show is about the whole picture of everything so the idea of disney is that it's an entertainment company everybody you're all part of the show so the theatrical element the theatrical element and that's where instead of saying like oh i'm in at the cash register you're on stage or you're backstage <sighs> So oh, like I love yeah, I that. Didn't read that. one. So like if you like go into the break room, you're like off stage or backstage or whatever, and then you're like, oh, I got to go on stage. So whenever I was, I also did training and coordinating when I was there because I was there for two years. Because um, I did the Disney College Program, I started in the summer through the fall. I extended it for a year, and then I stayed an extra year after where I was part time and I did stuff at ESPN as well. But um, yeah, you would always say, oh, I got to go on stage or. And you you didn't wear uniforms, you wore costumes. So um, you'd have to be like, oh, I have to go pick up a new costume because you'd check it out mm-hmm. for so long and then maybe you'd have to get a new one or whatnot. But yeah, it was all pretty much enforced by starting at traditions and going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, they're not customers, they're guests. They're, and yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And you would only call someone a customer. I probably shouldn't say <laughs> But you'd only call someone a customer if something bad was happening. Because <laughs> um, that alerted everybody to know that, like, if I called one of my coordinators and say, oh, I have a customer at my cart, they'd have to run out there and be like, yeah. okay, something's going down. It's a situation. There's a situation.
1: Was it hard to adjust to, like, speaking like that or thinking like that? Because I, I feel like, you know, at most companies or at the places that I worked, um... There's been a sense of, like, curated company culture, but that does seem to be a very curated, these are mm-hmm. our values, here's how we're going to reinforce them through your training all the way up until then. Was it hard to adjust to, like, speaking like that, or...
2: A little bit. Um, yeah, and there's also a way that you point. The hardest one was pointing. So there's something called the Disney point, where in some cultures... Like,
0: the, it's kind of like the princess wave, but the sort Disney of, point.
2: You point with two fingers,
0: Uh, now i've definitely seen that
2: yeah and that's because in since it's such you know a lot of international Mm -hmm. people come and visit uh in some cultures we were told it was impolite to point with one finger so wow you'd always have to point with two or a whole hand that was probably harder than the language because everybody for me as a new i mean not that i hadn't worked a job before but i was in college just off of it so it was easier to kind of get with the speak because everybody spoke like that the hardest thing was pointing with two fingers to be honest um and I used to do it I don't really do it so much anymore but I did it for like a year after I left because it was so hard to break it was Mm -hmm.
1: like yeah, I guess that's how flight attendants do it too, right? That is
0: true. I wonder if that has to do since there's they travel a lot mm-hmm. and they work with a lot of probably international people. If it, it's an inclusion thing,
1: I feel like I'm going to be looking for that. <laughs> for like anyone, I, see I am pointing. too. You know
0: how you you meet someone and then you figure out what car they have, and mm-hmm. every time you see mm-hmm. every time you see that car, you're like, "Is that them?" And you never noticed those cars before. I feel like that's what I'm. What's what's going to happen with this pointing thing? Mm-hmm. I'm going to notice it um that's so awesome I have to know just as someone who I've only been to Disney once but can you share any park secrets or Mm -hmm. like little quirks about the parks that you guys learned from the ins and outs just being there all the time
2: yeah I I mean I don't think anybody does holidays like Disney yeah holidays are the best time i think in my opinion like they start decorating for halloween in september they start decorating Mm -hmm. for christmas in like end of november and it's just the most beautiful environment that they create for it Mm -hmm. so i always like going during that time but it's also really busy um the busiest time, I think, in the parks to go is between Christmas and New Year's. It's packed. I would never go there during that time mm-hmm. <laughs> unless, you wanna, unless you're just want unless you just happy to be there and look around. Um, but, like, September is a good time to go because it's usually not a lot of people are there. A lot mm-hmm. of people are back in school. Mm-hmm. And then January. I mean, there's not much going on in terms of, like, holiday events. But if you're wanting to, like, go to the parks for the first time, those are good times to go. Um, Magic Kingdom was built on, I want to say it was built on, like, a level up, so there's sort of a ground floor that's, like, called the Utilidors, and those are underground tunnels that cast members have, like, break rooms and stuff in, so, like, whenever you see someone in Magic Kingdom, they'll go backstage, and then they'll take an elevator down to the Utilidors, and that's where, like, the cafeteria is, the break rooms, stuff like that.
1: I want (laughs) to... I would have spent the day just looking (laughs) around the
2: underground. Yeah, it's kind of, looks like a subway station in a way, but, like, there's, like, little cubbies around where they have, like, stuff going on. But, um, yeah, and that, I remember going, I didn't work in Magic Kingdom, but I could pick up shifts there, so I worked in Tomorrowland a few times, um, where, like, Space Mountain and stuff is, and that was a lot of fun. Mm. But, yeah, I was didn't know how to get around. I was, like, I had to follow. The, there's, like, lines on the wall that you can follow to, like, your location so you know you're going up at the right spot. And okay. that's because they don't want people in the wrong costumes in the wrong part of the park because mm-hmm. it
0: ruins the show of it all. Wow. Oh, some of the, these things, I never would I want to know who came up with all of these, like, the organization of the parks because to have so many different layers – and to orchestrate everything. And then think about, like you said, it does, it may not be the biggest deal to us seeing Mm -hmm. someone run out with a costume, but you know, little kids, you're selling a dream, you're selling Mm -hmm. um, entertainment. So like seeing someone run in a costume from where they're not supposed to be, like all those things really add Mm -hmm. up. So I like that they pay attention to the very small details Mm -hmm. and that all makes a difference in the big picture Mm -hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. um but we loved hearing from you about your experiences so cool a lot of things that I didn't you mentioned a lot of things too that I didn't find online so I wonder if those things are um <laughs> a little more secretive or like just when you get there like the traditions are more mm-hmm. um embedded into the people instead of just being online for everyone it kind of seems like a sense of like I don't want to say secrecy but like yeah. you get initiated in a sense mm-hmm. into that Um, area. But our final question for you about Disney is, what is your advice for students looking for internships or for similar programs like the Disney College program? And how do you advise that they can get the most out of their internship?
2: Yeah, I loved, loved, loved doing the Disney College program. I do think that it helped me learn a lot of really good skills and have so many fun memories and things that I never would have gotten to do had I not been there. Um, Because Arkansas doesn't really recognize or doesn't have like credit, I would recommend if anyone is looking for like a gap year program or Mm -hmm. doing something kind of fun, kind of different, um, doing the Disney College program because you can apply up to six months after you graduate. And that's Mm -hmm. what I did. So then I didn't have to worry about the classes. I was really just invested. And when I was there, I had a strong, strong desire to stay there for a while. That's why I was there for two years because I was still trying to decide. And they have so many different areas that you can shadow. So when you're a college program student, it's easier to get your foot in the door and say, I think I might want to do what you do. Can I shadow you for a day? Can I come? like?" Mm-hmm. And they would do... Um, like meets meetings with different people. So I shadowed a lot of different people to talk about what a career in Disney would be like. And I know if you want to do an internship at Disney, like more of a professional one, they like to see students that have done gone through the college program first cause you like already know the company culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know that you're, you know, great. And have already been here and loved it. Um, but, yeah, that, I think if you're wanting to do stuff with Disney, the college program, especially after you graduate, is a really cool thing to do. Other internships, I don't know of many programs similar in that sense. Um, but there's a lot of different companies and, that have, like, cohorts and rotational models where you right. can kind of go and rotate through different areas of their company. And then from there, you know, they can choose one for you. So I think a lot of us went to Disney, at, from my perspective, because we were a little lost after we graduated and we weren't sure what to do next and we sort of got to find ourselves there. Um, like one of my good friends, now she's like a super huge makeup artist and she got to learn about that, about herself at Disney. And she, Mm -hmm. another one of my friends is still there and a variety of them just like go on to do a lot of cool different things. A couple of the ones in my college program are now accountants at Disney, which, which is pretty fun. Um, so yeah, I, I, Can't think of anything super similar, but I highly recommend the Disney
0: College program if you can make it work. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. Uh, This has been awesome. And it's just been so interesting to learn how widespread Disney culture is and Mm -hmm. how um, thought out it is. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you all. Alright, welcome back to the Biz Talk Buzz with Gracie and I. And just to do a quick recap, I'm mesmerized by the amount of commitment and how invested Disney is in not only making their culture inclusive to all different types of ages, but also internationally is something that I learned
1: as well. Because mm-hmm. Disney has locations in other countries, right?
0: Yes. I believe there's, I want to say like a Paris or a Tokyo location mm-hmm. or maybe both. So it would be interesting to see like a follow-up on how those qu- uh, quote, unquote cultural norms
1: um, are organized at those locations. Because mm-hmm. I think historically they've had to kind of change the way that they do things for each location just because like what works for the U.S. isn't necessarily going to work for Paris, right?
0: Right. And the fact that another thing that we thought was pretty – Phenomenal was the fact that Katie, after all of the years, I'm making her sound so old. No, <laughs> after um being years separated from like Disney and the Disney College Program, she still is so excited and can really recite a lot of her experiences to us, um, even though they were a little while ago. And I think that just goes to show that Disney is a standalone player, um in company culture. Like, I don't think anyone is even on the same landscape as them. And the fact that they're able to, like I said earlier, appeal to so many different audiences mm-hmm. and tap into that nostalgic factor. um, it, I have no words. I just think it's so interesting.
1: It is really interesting because I think also what interests me is that it's just such a large, like, conglomeration of just so many – You know, they've got streaming services, they've got Disney parks, they've got merchandising and all this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, it just, yeah, I'm not, I don't really have no words either. But it just, it's really interesting to look at the company culture of something so large, like from a person that worked there and had such a good time there, enough for her to want to extend her stay, Mm -hmm. even, um, comparing it to the smaller companies that we've talked to.
0: Right. They have a much larger presence than any of the I think other companies that we're going to be talking to or organizations as well. So, that's why I was really excited to do a Disney episode and I think they really encapsulate what it means to be to have company culture um and one that is really embedded not only in their business operations but also in their employees even when they leave. So with that, uh I will say Disney you left us speechless. <laughs> and we will be conducting a poll
1: on um mickey mouse jesus and kim kardashian
0: (laughs) well that's all we have for today um please if you like what you heard please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and while you're at it follow us on instagram at walton underscore bcl that's all for this week we'll be back soon with casual conversations about professional things